Hi, this is Steve Thompson, and today we're reflecting on Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45. We're picking up right where Daniel and his friends are going to give King Nebuchadnezzar both his dream and the meaning of his dream. In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like chaff on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty... You are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise to rule the world. Following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided. Like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, silver, clay, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Man, I just, I I have to reread two of those sections that I underlined because they were just so strongly worded uh, and emphatic and definitive. Uh, Starting halfway through verse 37, the God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabited world and has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. And then skipping down to verse 44, during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all the kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. And so just the emphasis on God's at the source of all of this, the God that we serve is in control. And if you and I have any power or privilege or position in this world, whether that's as small as with a group, um, like a family, 
like a small organization, or maybe it's as large as a state or a country, then we need to hear what God says to us. God has given you the position, the power, and the authority that you have. You, I, rule at his pleasure. We lead, we serve at God's pleasure. Another thing that jumps out to me is something that will, I'm sure, get said over and over again as we go through this book, and that is kingdoms come and kingdoms go. I think we'll hit on this theme a bunch of times, but we need to come back to it again and again because of how important it is, how perspective shaping it is. But here's what I want to take to heart because kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Looking at all of this vision and the interpretation of this vision through the lens of what we now know from this vantage point in history. I mean, first of all, those that prophecy did exactly come true. No matter where you date this book to be written, it still was prophetically accurate in terms of the kingdoms that we know that followed Babylon. But also, one of the strong themes throughout the New Testament is that we are foreigners, strangers, and sojourners in this world. Our citizenship is not in any kingdom or country that now exists. Allegiances to countries are really just unwise and temporary. As followers of Jesus, our citizenship is in heaven. It's in God's kingdom. And our sole allegiance is to God and his rule and reign. So in the language of the vision and book of Revelation, which I (laughs) really enjoy and like and draws heavily on this vision of Daniel, we are citizens of the new Jerusalem trying to figure out how to live within and in relation to fallen Babylon, where we're residents. Daniel and his friends were literally citizens of Jerusalem, but now exiled and living in the actual Babylon that actively sought to assimilate them. That's how we can relate to this story as a whole. Here specifically, I think Nebuchadnezzar was honestly oblivious to how he should have felt about what God was revealing to him. Um, that his kingdom was in fact going to be torn down and replaced with several kingdoms, but ultimately by God's kingdom, God's kingdom itself. Although he was clearly awestruck, Nebuchadnezzar was, we find that out tomorrow in tomorrow's devotional, that he in fact um, was humbled that God revealed both the dream and the interpretation. But in, when we find when we get to the devotional on Thursday, we find out that he really wasn't humbled that much because of the statue that he then sets up. Anyways, I hope you can hear my heart when I say this, but In terms of an application and putting ourselves in Nebuchadnezzar's shoes, I think that we have to have a ton of humility and a lot of caution when we read this as Americans in the 21st century. We live in one of the most powerful, influential countries in the world. We have one of, if not the most powerful militaries in the world and probably that has ever been seen in history. It is really hard coming from that position in the world's geopolitical landscape to have the proper humility to understand that this is not permanent. Our nation's place and influence is not guaranteed. With great power and privilege comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and humility 
is always the proper response when seen from God's perspective. And if we're not careful, we are particularly susceptible to the same kind of hubris as Nebuchadnezzar's. On the flip side of that reality is that it would be really wise to listen to people, Christians specifically, who do not currently live in a powerful nation with an incredible amount of wealth and freedom. People who more readily identify as powerless exiles will probably end up with a more accurate understanding when it relates to books like Daniel and like this vision in particular. I think this dream and interpretation ended up being much more encouraging to Daniel and Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael because they were exiles and powerless in a structure that was intent on dominating them. And they got to hear that Babylon was on the clock and would not last forever. That Babylon would be supplanted by another global power who would in turn be supplanted by another and God's kingdom would supplant them all. And it's to that rock, that kingdom that we look to for hope, to which we place our lone allegiance. And God was asking Daniel and his three friends to do the same and to put their hope in that kingdom and their citizenship and allegiance to that kingdom. It's always baffling and inspiring to me that the kingdom that would crush all kingdoms and would grow into a mountain that would cover the world, the the earth, started out with God becoming a vulnerable baby who would lovingly and self-sacrificially undermine death and hell itself. The language of this prophecy describes the kingdom as dominant and crushing. It seems violent and overwhelmingly powerful. And yet this is precisely the kingdom that Jesus preached and inaugurated and invited everyone into. I think it's easy to understand why first century Jews completely missed Jesus as their Messiah. It's not what they were anticipating. And it's also easy to understand then why we might miss it too. This kingdom that we're a part of, which we are citizens of, which we owe complete allegiance to, is coming right now in power. We are in the middle of it spreading And if we have the humility to hear it and the courage to follow Jesus in the self-sacrificing, God-dependent way of it, this kingdom will crush and overtake every other kingdom. Any and every government set up will give way to Jesus's rule, blown away like dust in the wind. There will be no more need for artificial divisions and political or economic philosophies or theories. God's government will reign in perfect love and justice. I offer these thoughts to you today for reflection and contemplation. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we simply say, come Lord Jesus. We long for your kingdom to come in all of its fullness. From our lives personally restoring, redeeming, and healing to this planet's life where we know that all creation is groaning for your redemption and your, for your return and for your restoration. So Lord, we long for that rock that's going to come. And while it does away with maybe the structures and organizations that we have built, 
what you will replace it with is your perfect kingdom, your perfect presence, um, perfect justice and perfect love. And we long for that time. We long for that moment. But until that time, Lord, give us the imagination, the courage, and the ability to hear you speaking and prompting us so that we can step more fully into your kingdom every day. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. And we give you praise and thanks. Amen. Have a great day.